It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you to the Locked On Longhorns Podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Patrick Kahn. I'll be your host. I am the managing editor of Longhorns Wire, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. With me on the phone is my co-host, Cammy Griffin. Cammy, how are you doing today? Doing great. I'm excited to be on. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. You know, uh, we had a a good, I guess you could say a good weekend at the NFL Combine. A great week. Yeah. It, yeah. So the the big thing is obviously the top rated prospect that we're going to get into, Brandon Jones. He didn't participate, uh, but he does plan on participating at the the pro day down in Austin. Um, was mm. there any? Was there anybody that really stood out to you as far as the the uh, Texas players at the combine between Duvernay, Malcolm Roach, and, and Colin Johnson? Well, I wouldn't say anyone um, in particular in terms of the top three former Texas players actually improved their draft stock at the combine just because, as you know, Colin Johnson um, didn't really test. Um, he's dealing with a nagging, I guess, groin uh, hip flexor type of injury, um, which is kind of serious considering his injury from past. But um, Brandon Jones obviously is recovering still and somewhat from that shoulder, shoulder surgery. So he's still, um, I think, impressed in terms of the interview process. As we know, he studied every NFL defensive uh, scheme from the 2019 season. He brought a specific specific folder, I guess you could say, for each team's defensive scheme. So I know that probably impressed a lot of NFL executives and scouts throughout the interview process. That probably bumped his stock up a tad bit. But um, obviously, Devin DuVernay, we know he has a lot of speed. Um, he proved that at the combine. It didn't necessarily bump up his stock. It didn't um, lower it at all. It kind of He kind of tested exactly where he was um, expected to test. So I think Brandon Jones is the top prospect. Probably will get drafted first among Brandon Jones, Colin Johnson, Devin DuVernay. But um, I thought Malcolm Roach um, kind of looked apart in terms of a defensive lineman. I know he didn't necessarily fit uh, former defensive coordinator Todd Orlando's scheme, but I think he has a lot of potential in the NFL. Yeah, so it's Monday, so it's Mock Draft Monday. The three names that you'll see most often uh, when it comes to the Texas players, we're talking about the top three, Brandon Jones, obviously the top one, Devin DuVernay, Colin Johnson. You know, it could really vary between which website, which writer uh, puts out the the mock about who's the top, you know, player. I mean, because we've seen, I've seen NFL.com, I believe, had, uh, or maybe, I'm sorry, it was CBS who had Devin DuVernay, like, the third round, which was the highest we had seen of any of the players. Most often it's Brandon Jones. What what do you have for the uh, mock draft roundup? Yeah, so uh, draft wire, actually some of our colleagues over at the draft wire still have Brandon Jones, the top um, Longhorn drafted. They, they in particular have him kind of around the top 100 prospects. Uh, the recent mock draft had him at uh, number 103 overall to the Carolina Panthers. Um, CBS Sports actually um, has Devin Renee as the top former Longhorn as the number 79 overall player on their big board. But due to the, obviously, the strong, and I mean very strong wide receiver class, if this were any other class, he would probably be probably a second to third round pick. But 
Um, due to how many strong wide receivers are coming out this year, he's probably a fourth or fifth round pick. Same as Colin Johnson. I know Pro Football Network um, compiled a seven round mock draft that has Colin Johnson at number 129 overall to the Minnesota Vikings. So it kind of varies, but I think um, amidst all of it, they'll probably all three of them will be drafted within probably the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the consensus around at this point, you know, things will change with with news that comes out and, and the, the various different uh, analysts on how they feel certain players are going to do pro days can help out a lot. And then we'll, we'll kind of see when they start doing the team visits on kind of who's going where, Um, you know, but you know, it's a long draft process and we're going to get into that, but uh, coming up next, we're going to dive into something from Mr. McConaughey. Um, and he was talking a little bit about Texas athletics this past week, so we're going to get into that next. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, Cammie, I know you were checking out the interwebs. What do you have from Mr. McConaughey? As always, I'm on Twitter. And so it was apparently a great week for Longhorns Athletic. Um, I mean, yesterday, so um, Matthew McConaughey, probably uh, UT's biggest cheerleader, recently tweeted this morning because of the big wins from yesterday's Longhorns. Um, he tweeted that it was a great day because Texas men's basketball obviously defeated number 22, Texas Tech University. Texas track and field won the Big 12. Texas softball defeated number 11, Michigan. Texas women's swimming and diving won the Big 12. Texas men's swimming and diving won the Big 12. Texas women's basketball beat Oklahoma, which is always a great sign. And Texas baseball defeated number six Arkansas. So that all happened within the same day yesterday, which is pretty rare and obviously significant. And um, I wanted to ask you what you thought between all of those was probably the most um, significant win or I guess the most high profile one or something you thought was the most important. Okay, so you're talking about what was going on Saturday? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Typically, I would go with I would go with the baseball team beating Arkansas, but losing two out of three that weekend, I don't know, just kind of makes it look kind of flukish. I'm not saying it is mm -hmm. because Texas baseball has been has been good this year. They're ten and two right now. I'd probably have to say I'd probably have to say the the Texas men's basketball team going into a a raucous arena in Lubbock, Texas, and winning their fourth straight game by double digits and their second straight top twenty five opponent by double digits. I'd have to say that was probably the most impressive feat out of all of those. Uh, just for the simple fact that you expect softball to be really good. They've been really good this year. And then you look at the swimming and diving. It seems like they win every year. Yeah, and the only reason I think 
um, the swimming and diving, especially for the men's, for example, I think is up there is because the men's swimming and diving uh, broke actually like three meet records to win the Big 12. So I think obviously that's uh, very significant. And I think baseball um, is important just because obviously they lost to LSU Friday night and that was their first loss of the season. So you always wonder how they're going to respond. And it's not easy to respond when you're playing in the number six team in the nation. And so I think them defeating Arkansas, even though it was scary um, towards the end, uh, was a huge uh, win for the Longhorns. Oh, yeah. Uh, Andre Duplantier came in there, uh, closed the door down on him. Uh, you know, he did give up those two runs, but uh, the tying run got as close to uh, second base, and he struck out the final two. So, you know, that's that's always – an impressive feat, but I just think of, you know, if you look at where Texas Tech basketball was last year, um, you're talking about the NCAA tournament runner up um, and they went to overtime and eventually lost that game. But, you know, for the last few years, Texas has struggled with tech. Uh, it was their first time in, in five meetings that Texas had won that matchup. So I think that not only did you beat them, uh, for the first time since January 17th of 2017, but also the fact that they did it in their house by double digits, close game, hard-fought game, all game long. And I really have to applaud just Andrew Jones stepping up and being the player that everybody expected him to be. You know, he has a great comeback story, you know, overcoming leukemia, going through all the treatments, and then coming back and really – you know, it's been about a year since he came out of remission. So I just think that with what he was doing and how this team has responded to all the injuries, they're playing with, you know, basically seven and a half healthy players for the most part. So I say half because, you know, Matt Coleman has that bum heel right now. You know, he's trying his best, but I think with with Jones and Courtney Ramey losing Jericho Sims for the season, essentially, you know, Kai Jones just came back from injury. They're still without their best shooter, I think, in Jace Febris. So I, I just think that everything that was involved around the team and how they rallied around Shaka Smart, you know, you know we've talked about it constantly. Two weeks ago, I, I, I said he was dead in the water, but four straight wins heading into a big matchup with Oklahoma this week. That's um, I think that that is why I look at it as the most impressive feat. Yeah, I know makes sense because if you would have asked any of us at the Longhorns Wire, for example, um, two weeks ago we were literally debating um, who we would replace Shaka Smart with. So we really had very minimal hope that they had a chance kind of for the um, NCAA tournament, but obviously they proved us wrong the past uh, three games or so, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and not only this season, but obviously we saw how far Texas Tech made it last season and to go into Lubbock and defeat them was a huge deal just as big as it was defeating West Virginia and as we saw Shaka Smart said they put all of their energy into winning that specific game against Texas Tech because they knew how big it was so hopefully they can go on the road and defeat Oklahoma. Yeah and if you got a chance to to check out the the reaction video you know the celebration in the locker room you saw the joy it's just like they really just like rallied around their their embattled head coach you know really put this team on their back, put their coach on their back and said, look, we're going to carry you through this. We're going to keep you in place. But, you know, I want to I want to talk. I want to switch gears for just a second. And let's talk about the women's team, because I feel like the women's team has been the better team overall this year, but it doesn't seem like they get any of the publicity. And so I just want to yeah. talk about the the 
youngsters on the team. You know, Celeste Taylor, back-to-back games with over 20 points. She was one of three Longhorns against the number 25-ranked TCU team, along with Joyner Holmes and and Charlie Collier. They they all three had double-doubles in that game. Just, you know, talk about how, you know, they're not talked about like a, like the men's team, mostly for negative reasons is why mostly the base, the men's basketball team has been talked about. But just talk about what they're doing. You know, they're they're likely going to the NCAA tournament again under Karen Alston. And so I just think that, you know, they need a little publicity on, on what they're doing. Yeah, but I think that's kind of um, a debate for all women's sports, for example. So sometimes we even talk about that, about Texas softball and things like that. It's doing so well. Like, why isn't there um, more publicity about them? But at the same time, women's basketball is 18-10 overall. I mean, they're 10-6 and six in the conference. They're doing okay. They're likely to get a bid. But um, I think, like I said, that's just a debate for women's sports overall that hopefully um, will obviously improve in the future. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with as far as that debate, but I just meant for how well they've done this year. I mean, you're talking about a team that hosted the number one team in the country in the Stanford Cardinals and beat them in Austin. You know, that that was a huge win for that team and, mm-hmm. and what Coach Aston's doing. And you talk, and then like I said, you talk about the youngsters. You know, she's got some seniors that have been leaving, but I think with, with Taylor and Collier, she really has two very good keys to her her team that she can really help build and hopefully you know turn this into a top 10 top five team you know they get in the top 25 they stumble they get back in you know they'll have a win like they did against tcu so i just think it's something that uh mm-hmm. you know you really have to look at as far as um you know what she's doing and i think she's doing a tremendous job i mean she's been getting sweet 16 runs can't she get that elite eight the final four that's the big thing that I think is really going to help her because obviously she's not having trouble recruiting because both Collier and Taylor were in the McDonald's All-American game. So she gets talent. Yeah, and I think it's kind of a hit or miss in terms of what they've done with ranked teams um, this season. I mean, they lost to number 12 NC State. Obviously, they defeated number one Stanford, which is probably their biggest win of the season. Um, I mean, right after that, they lost to number 19 West Virginia. Um, they played and lost to number two, I guess, number one, depending on which um, ranking you're looking at, Baylor. So they're kind of flip-flopping in terms of the ranked teams they've played. Um, Just recently on the 26th, they defeated number 25, TCU. So I think they're kind of flip-flopping, but I think they're um, strong enough to make a run in this tournament. Definitely going to be some uh, consistency. That's what they really need from that team. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the spring sports. Let's talk about baseball. We're going to talk about softball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, Cammy. So we talked a little bit about it. The baseball team beat the number sixteen Arkansas, former Southwest Conference rivals. Um, you know, in a close one, eight to seven on Saturday. Obviously, they lost the close one. 
to LSU, who was the their number 11 team in the country, lost by one run. And then they dropped the game against uh, another former uh, conference rival in Missouri who used to be in the Big 12, uh, lost to them by a run. How impressed are you with the baseball team considering what we know about them? Last year they finished the season 27 and 27. They were 500. I think they won seven conference games all year. How impressed are you this early run? I am very, and I don't want to get my hopes up, but, I mean, I think last year was kind of a down year for Texas baseball, Um, even though uh, they made it kind of far in the end. But, I mean, they were 9-0 and going into the Shriners Hospital uh, College Classic down in Houston this weekend. Um, We were expecting a lot out of them. I understand they lost – Three to four to another 11 LSU. That's not a terrible loss. And like I said, mentioned earlier in the show, how they respond to their first half as a loss of the season is absolutely crucial. And they went and beat the very next day, number six, Arkansas. I think that was um, super important for them. I still feel very confident in them, even though they lost to Missouri tonight. And there was a questionable um, ending to that that we'll probably get into. They lost eight to nine. Um, to Missouri tonight down in Houston in that classic. So even though they went one and two, I think they played a couple of great teams, and I think they look very, and I mean very young, but very uh, confident and um, composed and strong to make a great run this year. Yeah, I think Coach David Pierce is doing a fantastic job with recruiting. Uh, If you pay attention to D1 Baseball, or Baseball America, you know, Baseball America is huge on their recruiting and obviously farm systems um, in the major leagues. And if you saw that earlier this year, I think I wrote something back in December, they actually ranked the 2020 recruiting class for Texas, the number one in the nation. So it's obviously a very young team. They have talent and, you know, it's only going to hopefully get better. I don't really want to get too much into that Missouri game because, you know, the, the ending to me was, that was a tough pill to swallow. Um, and the hats off to the Missouri catcher. He, he framed that perfectly. Obviously it, it didn't cross the plate, but you know, he framed it perfectly and got the call, and, and so they got the win. But now let's shift gears. Let's talk about Cammy's favorite topic. And if you know anything about Cammy Griffin, she loves her some Miranda Ellish. So let's talk about the softball team. How impressed are you by their 20-3 and three record? And not only that, their three losses by a combined three runs. I mean, I can't say enough about senior pitcher Miranda Ellis. I mean, she is somehow involved in every single game for them, it seems. Um, I could start from them beating the number one team in the nation in UCLA, traveling on the road to beat them. I mean, we can start within the past week in terms of them defeating number 10, Louisiana, number one, UCLA, number two, Washington, all within a 72-hour period. Um, obviously, Miranda Ellis was involved in all those, but Lauren Burke, I mean, at the plate, has been, been just absolutely murdering the ball. Um, there was a slight bad loss in between those with Fresno State um, on Saturday, yesterday, and then they went ahead right after that and composed themselves to beat uh, number 11, Michigan. So there's not enough good things to say about the softball team. I mean, every single loss they've had has been within one, maybe two runs. Um, and Miranda Ellis is consistently involved. She either comes in in relief, she starts a game, she um, obviously has a ton of RBI, she's been the Big 12 Player of the Week several times. Um, there's just not a good enough good things to say about the softball team right now. Yeah, how about like you bring up 
the accolades for player of the week. So he, she starts off with the big 12 player of the week for her offense. Talking about four homers, 18 RBIs. You know, that's a good month for a lot of players. And she did that in a week. And then she followed it up with a big 12 pitcher of the week. So it just shows you the, the all around star that she is and, and the reason why she's an all American. And, you know, let's talk about this. Like she's nine and three, that's her record already. So she's nine and three yeah. through 23 games. So it just shows you how much they rely on her. But I think that, you know, what they've done over the, you know, the last, you know, several weeks uh, since they've really gotten to the thick of it, um, you know, the, the tournaments the, and, you know, there's uh, Austin's going to be holding another, I think it's the Texas invitational coming up if I remember correctly, you know, so they, they have all these tournaments and you're right. Miranda Ellis seems like she's involved in every single one of them uh, at some point being on the pitching mound just shows to me. I mean, I've called her the cyborg because it just seems like she's a machine. She's going to go out there and do what she's got to do. And, you know, it's, and I think, and, and, and I wanted to get your opinion on this. How high do you think Texas is going to jump in the next polls, considering they beat number one and number two on back-to-back nights? Uh, they beat a number 13 um, Michigan team, and they beat the number 10 uh, Louisiana Lafayette in the second game of a doubleheader after dropping the first one where they lost two to one. Yeah, um, that's actually the date I was talking to people with earlier because um, the loss amidst all of this, so obviously you mentioned they beat number 10 Louisiana, went on the road, beat UCLA, number two Washington, but lost to Fresno State before beating number 11 Michigan. I think that Fresno State um, lost might, because um, obviously in softball it doesn't matter whether you lose by one run, 10 runs, whatever, it's a loss. So I think... Um, I'm, I'm probably going to put them at two or three still. So um, I think I, they obviously lost to a couple of unranked teams. Duke was unranked when they lost to them. Fresno State's unranked. So although they're beating uh, very strong and solid teams and highly ranked teams and high-profile teams, they're also losing to absolutely teams that they should not be losing to, unranked teams. So I think they're probably going to stay within the top five, probably around the same spot at the three-two spot. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think one or two, honestly, um, because I think, and it's, this isn't like, I don't want you to take this as a shot at you, but I think sometimes we have too high an expectation level for athletes in that we expect them to be perfect every day. Um, you know, and, and, you know, there's some days where I'm writing an article and I just don't have it, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the, the, if you're getting burned out, you're, you're, you know, playing too much, you know, and, and we saw Miranda Ellis have some control issues, um, you know, in a few games this year. And I think that has a lot to do with the workload, you know, so I, I would say mm-hmm. given what they've been able to do, um, like you said, they, they had this last West coast swing where they went three and one, all three victories were against top 25 teams, really top 15 teams. So I really think that you got to, you know, factor in, you know, where they're playing, the conditions that they're playing in, and just shows that and in the fact that they're competitive and in every game, I think says a lot about what they're doing. And I think that just shows you uh just how tough it is to win. Um and and mm-hmm. they're doing a fantastic job of this night in and night out. And it, you know it's you know for somebody who's kind of new to watching softball. I mean, 
I've been watching baseball for years. So, but checking out softball and seeing how this team is built, um, you, you talked about Miranda and you talked about Lauren Burke. You know, let's talk about one player who I really uh, enjoy watching, Courtney Day. I mean, she's just a mm-hmm, freshman, mm-hmm. and she and she looks like she's got all American written all over. I agree, and I was just actually going to mention that with all the pictures when you mentioned no one's perfect and people struggle at times. But I agree, and Ellis just struggled at times. Courtney Day has struggled at times. Like we thought, she would probably never lose a game at one point in her uh, freshman career because she was off to such a strong start. Um, O'Leary has struggled at times. They've had to pull her pretty much after one or two innings. So. Um, no one's going to be able to show up every single game. And I think that's one of Texas' strengths because when they are playing a solid team, um, a ranked team, high-profile team, anything of that nature, they always show up. And even when they don't show up, like you mentioned, um, we lose by maybe a run. So they're a very solid team, and I think they're going to make the College World Series this year. Oh, yeah, and that would be fantastic for the program and everything they're doing. And, you know, we, we talked about them. We haven't even talked about, you know, Shannon Rhodes, she had that big three-run homer against Boise State. Uh, you know, Caitlin Slack, Caitlin Washington, Janae Jefferson. I mean, you go up and down this lineup. They got 10 or 12 players on this roster that could start for any D1 program across the country. You know, so the fact that they have that kind of depth, and it just tells you what Mike uh, White is doing and, you know, just how fantastic of a coach he is and, the recruiter that he is. I mean, obviously he got Lauren Burke and Miranda Ellis to come over from Oregon, who they have a fantastic program there, but they come down to Texas and they'll really help building something here. So I, I really think that, you know, up and down the lineup, you know, it just shows. And, and we're going to talk more about them uh, coming up, but that's going to do it for our first episode right here on the Locked on Longhorns podcast. Join us each and every day. We will be talking about Texas athletics up and down. We're going to get more into football, and, and I think that's really where we're going to hit, uh, you know, on Tuesday. We're going to talk a lot more football, a lot to get into, Sam Ellinger, the new offense, new defense. There's going to be a lot. So I want you to follow Cammy on Twitter, at CammyAng. You can follow me at Pat Sports Guy. Uh, check us out on Longhorns Wire, and we will see you tomorrow. Okay. You're Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.